Good morning. This is Jay Westervelt with my weekly show, Tales and Trails, where we talk about things local, things global, uh, cultural, natural history. And what I, I typically do, and today is no departure, is I always have interesting people whom I know firsthand, friends, uh, come in as guests. And for the third time on this show, <laughs> my my friend uh, Heather is here, uh, Heather McConnell. Thank you, Jay. And uh, it's quick, interesting background. Before I met Heather, when I was a little tiny boy, um, back before you were born, Heather, uh, young lady, I met Heather's mom when I won a, actually a technically a national uh, environmental essay contest. And so locally, I, I won the contest as well before moving on to the national thing. And it was uh, the, the title of the contest, the essay was uh, How Man Affects His Environment. And I wrote this thing. And uh, there was a lot of hubbub about it because it, you know, it got national recognition. And the lady who gave me the the award unofficially, because the award was officially given by kind of a different entity, but a, a really well known lady from right here in Warwick, New York, who was very, very, very brave. Some might say, like they might say about me, a little crazy to go up against the sort of people she went up against. She but did, yes. Real resolve, really stood by what she meant and uh, did the heavy lifting as uh, an environmentalist. Uh, your mom, Patricia, and she told me when I was a kid to call her Pat, so I apologize, I say Pat sometimes. <laughs> and unfortunately, we lost uh, Pat this past year. Yes, actually, tomorrow would have been her 81st birthday. Wow. Yeah, so we lost her uh, last July. She was eight, she made it to 80 years old, and um, she, you know, she... She lived her life. Oh, she yeah. really did. She really did. She was always busy, always doing something, and uh, just loved the this area, loved the landscape, loved sure. the natural environment that she grew up in. She grew up on a dairy farm on, on so Glenwood. Yeah, road. And um, yeah. Ancient so, family there, too. I mean, the farm goes back. Farm I mean, goes way back. Yeah. Uh, we know that the farm land was originally a king's grant. So it wow. was before the Revolutionary War. There's a whole bunch of parcels right along Pochuck there that cool. were all probably wooded originally. And then these people had them, took the wood off. Um, possibly, I'm guessing, put it into the Pochuck, floated it out towards the wall kill and then right out to the Hudson and then they had dairy farms. That's amazing. And, um, I can see the commercials back then that the King would have, you know, come to the Pochuck, take the wood off. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what they did. They, yeah. they wanted people to come and farm and they gave them land. So that's um, really radical. You know, yeah. people forget that part of our history that, our, you know, our history was based on this monarchic thing with a, a real empire, uh, you know, the empire on which the sun never sets yes. stretching here into the Americas. Mm -hmm. And, um, so many of us, our relatives came here under those original uh, patents and and um, absolutely. Grants. We actually um, know that there were several Roys. That was my uh, mom's family name. Her and we found the, um, some evidence that there's uh, one of the oldest homes was built by Roy brother, two Roy brothers, wow. um, going way back. And then also we know. Um, well, we, we've been discovering a lot of different things. Sure. So sometimes I do wonder, because Roy was Scottish. Yeah, um, like Rob Roy. Yes. but the, That's not the, just a drink for Sammy no, Davis. No, and we, we, we 
Well, there may be a possibility that I'm actually descended from him. Yeah. <laughs> so famous cattle thief. <laughs> I'm going to keep my eye on my wallet. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, he was actually more of a cattle thief, just like Claudius Smith of the original Smiths of Smithtown, who ravaged this area as a loyalist cowboy. Yeah. Yeah, well, Rob Roy was doing that, and then he was not allowed. The reason he went by Rob Roy was because the English king outlawed the use of his surname, which was McGregor. And uh, so what did he do? He went, this is the story I've heard, that he went over to France, changed his name to Roy, which means king, in French, and came back. Sure. uh, But the Roy ancestors came over um, sometime, I think, in the early 1720s. Okay. But it may have been even older than that because they actually married into the Morehouse family. Which had all the land. Sure. Uh, along that makes the sense. Project. Yeah. That actually makes yes. a lot of sense. And I know, same thing, you know, uh, look at my family going back to that era. It was the families with whom they'd intermarried that often brought them a lot of the land wealth. It almost, you know, when you do the math, it almost looks like it was something they sort of sat down and calculated. Well, hmm, we can get more acreage over there if we marry, you know, Barbara off to that guy. Absolutely. It's crazy. (laughs) part of it, yeah. It's really crazy. And I know that, like, you know, um, getting south of Hadrian's Wall, uh, Robin Hood, even though he's a legend you know there's historical context following the easter calendar of course uh just as there is with king arthur following the easter calendar that uh robin hood may have actually been robert earl of huntington mm-hmm. in sherwood yes but with rob roy we have a lot more definitive historical context yes you know, and m- much later uh, yes period yes. Yes. But interesting stuff and you know speaking of historical context i would be remiss if i didn't remind listeners uh that today is uh Reverend Martin Luther King Day, and speaking of people who were stand up, um, you know, this is this is a man who, regardless of the cause, and the cause was incredibly noble and incredibly difficult, stood up, boycotted, and really paved the way for the rights of African Americans here in the Americas, here in America, in the U.S. And you know, a lot of people forget. I mean, here we are; it's just 2021. Um, in the 1950s and 60s, you know, Rosa Parks, people like that had to sit on the back of the bus. Absolutely. Yes. And, you know, even we need e- to keep that memory alive. We do. Yeah, All we too do. often, you know, people forget holidays. I, I always see uh, like I drove on um, Route 17 down through Slotesburg the other day and I saw Leo Cadis Ford. Uh, they always have that nice billboard that says, remember the reason for the season with Christmas. Yes. It's beautiful. The, the manger yes. scene. And uh, I, I really enjoy those billboards myself and, and that message. I wish we had those for MLK Day, you know, because it's really mm. important. Of course, I'm the guy who wishes we'd have them for Columbus Day, and I will be chastised by a growing crowd <laughs> yes, now. <you> like, <laughs> how dare you, Columbus? But hey, I, uh, I honor what Columbus did, and I certainly honor what uh, Reverend Martin Luther King did. And even in his time, when you think about the period in which he started the first uh, major boycotts, et cetera, that was barely 100 years after the race riots of right here in New York City, mm, you know, which right, was a really right, scary time. Right. And that's the recency of that, I think, is to me what's so compelling, because here we're already in 2021 and 
you know, MLK's era was the 1960s, especially the early 60s. Just 60 not, years ago. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, a little more than 60 years before him, my God, the race riots in New York City where hundreds of African-Americans were brutally slaughtered, tortured, uh, hanged, and, you know, as they say, lynched. And just the, the horror, the recency of that is what's really incredible. And, you know, not to go way off topic, but that's the beauty of this show is that we're never married to one distinct topic. In recent news here in Warwick, there was um, considerable uproar about um, a business owner. Don't have to get into it because, I, you know, these things get legs of their own. But a business owner who made incredibly anti-Semitic statements. And, and I have to say, just, you know, without getting into that, I'm not political, but this is a political, this is a human thing, I think. When I hear people glorify or in any way justify the Nazis or Hitler or people like that or, or true genocide, really historically, uh, you know, well-documented uh, genocide, I just... I want to start a GoFundMe site to just get them airline tickets to go visit uh, Auschwitz. Uh, yeah, yeah, Auschwitz, Auschwitz, Auschwitz uh, which yeah. you know in Poland uh, goes by a slightly different name, and let them visit it because when you go to those places, and more importantly, the lesser concentration camps. I I used to live not too far from Terezin in the uh, when Czech, you, Czech you were in. Germany based in? Uh, in actually in the Czech Republic oh, okay. uh, in Prague okay. and Terezin is in the Czech Republic and what was incredible there was be, uh, you know since the time of the Holocaust that was socialist uh, right up until 19 really 89 but 90 they never developed it or made it like a site that you could visit quite like an Auschwitz or Dachau and so when you went in there, you actually, not to sound grotesque, you really, you, you see the piles of the shoes, you smell the mm. leather, you go to the racks where the people slept. I swear you still smell the sweat. It's strange, you know, old. Uh, it's just a, a horrible feeling. And the, the recency of that, when you visit those sites, really makes you, you know, join hands with uh, everyone who, who can count among their, their uh, relatives, people who were exterminated there and say never again. Never so when again. I hear these things happening in this country or anywhere in the world, it, it really sets me off. But after a word from our sponsors, we'll talk more about uh, your website. <laughs> Sam's Mead Warehouse has been supplying restaurants and shops with the highest quality local and sustainably sourced prime and choice wholesale meat, steaks, poultry, seafood, and much more for over 20 years. Whether you're a small family butcher shop or a busy steakhouse, expect A1 service and the finest products available. Call Sam's at 845-651-MEAT or visit the store right off Route 17A in Florida, New York for the highest quality products at unbeatable prices. Tune in every Saturday at 8 a.m. for Horseplay with me, Jimmy Cassidy of the Clover Stables. Boarding, riding lessons, and how to take life by the reins. Radio worth listening to. Hi, I'm Dave Edwards, and I invite you to join me every Sunday night when we'll showcase a perfect album. I'll start with side one, track one, and we'll play every song in order from the record. A few bonus songs, as well as some trivia, too, right here on Radio Worth Listening To. WTBQ. 
And we're back with Tales and Trails. This is Jay Westerveld, your host here on this weekly show where we talk about local and global culture and certainly nature and some issues without ever becoming too political or anything. And I was just uh, saying a little bit about uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, whom we remember today. And uh, I'm talking about a few other things and sort of neglecting my guest for a moment here. <laughs> and Heather, uh, you've been a guest on here before. You're, for people who don't know Heather, she's a, an author. She's the author of An Invisible Woman in Afghanistan. In which, Afghanistan, yes. Which to me was a, a very touching uh, thing to read. Novel. It's a novel. It's uh, a great novel. First novel, yes. Definitely. <laughs> Thank you. Sure, you bet. And it, it, interestingly, the uh, main character in it, uh, her last name is McGregor. Yes, fact, that McGregor, was deliberate. Is, I have yeah. to admit it. <laughs> yes. and, you know, most people globally say the name McGregor, they're instantly thinking, uh, you know, a UFC fighter. Or uh, Peter Rabbit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not <laughs> me. I'm thinking UFC fighter. I, I apologize. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so you have... Uh, the, the makings of a, a new website starting. Yes, this has been a long time interest of, for me. I started a blog, um, oh, about 10 years ago now, uh, just looking at what was going on in the world in terms of where we were. You know, I wanted to get an idea of a feel for how are we doing just globally on everything. I wanted a, a gauge. So I came up with this idea and I've been working on it over these the decade. Actually, it's a little bit more now. And out of that came a curiosity because I started looking at energy, specifically globally, um, you know, electricity, energy, and the markets and what was going on. And I realized after doing some research that the numbers that were being put out by the authorities, like the UN, the United Nations, all the oh, companies, yeah. all these countries, all these different, all these methods of counting, they were missing a lot. And that I realized that about five years ago. And unfortunately, it doesn't seem to have changed much. <laughs> so I began looking into it myself. And um, I was thought, well, I'll go country by country. So I started with Afghanistan, <laughs> which is Good happens start. to be yeah. the country I'm quite familiar with. Um, and I started looking at what was going on in Afghanistan in terms of renewable energy. And it was I just have to say, it's just amazing. <laughs> it's just, it's very exciting, not just there, but globally, there is so much going on. And a lot of it gets drowned out in the media by other things, but there's a lot of wonderful, positive things going on. And a lot of it's being done by people, just ordinary people. It's not being done by countries right. and by governments. It's being done by the little guys. Absolutely. And that's, so, you know, that's often the case with things that really make a difference. It is. And again, MLK roots. Day, MLK Day. Yes. He was just a dude. Yeah. You know, he didn't represent some big uh, governmental organization or even an NGO. He was one yes. man, you know, one minister who said, I have to change this. I have to do. And technically he was doing the work of his faith. A pretty, pretty incredible man. So now you mentioned Afghanistan, which is interesting because paradoxically, Afghanistan is the country in which this country, the USA, uh, has been mired in its longest military occupation yes. ever. 
and not just war, but actual military occupation, the longest. And a lot of people have a hard time coming to grips with that. It makes this nation far more misunderstood. Uh, you know, until you've been there, especially getting outside, as we say, get out, getting out of Dodge, going off reservation outside of Kandahar and getting up into the north where there are, you know, these beautiful mountain regions and yes. the, the border regions and different uh, tribal cultures and stuff. People don't understand what a complex and really beautiful place it is and what beautiful people there are there. But now you're talking about renewable energy there. And right. that is a totally different ballgame. Afghanistan does not have oil, which is, to my mind at this point, is probably in its favor. It seems that any time a country, a developing country, has oil, it seems to not be a good thing. Wait, Afghanistan doesn't have oil? No. I'm calling the troops out. <laughs> exactly. But no, it's, it's a great point because... On one hand, it, it it sort of enlightens a lot of people to why totally um, politically opposed administrations still have an interest in it. It isn't a big oil place. We're not protecting no. oil interests or even transport of oil specifically or yes. solitarily there. So the interest in Afghanistan for this country goes well beyond big oil and people don't understand that. Well, it, yeah, it's it's really security and Afghanistan yes. is, is important. It's at the crux of a lot of different places, but the Afghans themselves, Afghanistan has very little infrastructure, um, whether because of the Taliban or their own infighting or whatever. Um, they have had a lot destroyed. So there isn't much of a grid there. But, and this is interesting, this, is, this will surprise you, Afghanistan actually has more of their electricity coming from renewable resources than we do. That doesn't, no, I actually, I've, I've, a lot of Afghanis <laughs> have bragged about this to me. And uh, maybe the first three have times. Having really I, great. Well, honestly, I, <laughs> no, no, they, it's, it's really they carried. Know. Oh, yeah, with a lot of pride there. That's, you know, that's the funny thing. Uh, when we get out of the States and we actually go to these focal countries, we're kind of shocked. Uh, first, the pride that people have because we think, well, you know, there's just us. We're the world cop and everybody kind of kowtows to us but then how much they know about our country and the yes. you get it the correlation yes. between the two and yeah a lot of people carry that as a a real badge they're very proud to see that and um so go go ahead anyway so, yes. going off on that. <laughs> so the afghans the russians when they were there um built these dams huge dams yes they did and uh they a lot of them had fallen into disrepair so that's one of the things that the u.s has done but along with other countries germany and japan have been very active in reconstituting these. So a lot of the energy comes from these dams. And of course, Afghanistan has mountains and it's great because and you water. get water. But what is not being counted, which is really amazing in Afghanistan, are what you call micro hydropower plants. So you have all these miniature little water um, turbines basically um, up in the mountains. And there are hundreds, possibly thousands of them that have been put in place. So you have these little mountain villages that have electricity, but they're off Beautiful. the grid. Beautiful. So they can control their own power sources. And Afghanistan, of course, is very wealthy in terms of mountains and renewable energy resources. Sure. They yes, have it is. They have water, they have solar, they have wind. 
Um, one of the interesting things I read about recently is they are rebuilding some of the bigger dams. And this may not surprise you, but near the Iran border, yes. Iran is very concerned about their getting the water. And they have actually been taking measures, not totally above board, to sabotage that. But the Afghans... This happens them, everywhere. Yes. Uh, in Central Asia, it's really, you know, because when people start to build a dam, they're obviously impacting the water rights of the exactly. people downstream. Exactly. And it's, here, we don't think that way because we live on a continent where, you know, we have one big neighbor to the north, one big neighbor to the south, who are more or less unaffected by these, by river systems, to a degree. But man, when you're Central Asia. Central Asia, because oh. of the Himalayas and uh, all of Hello, you mean the Himalayas. The Himalayas. <laughs> the Himalayas. I was, I was yeah, <laughs> the recently about that. Um, and we did have water wars, though. Don't forget about California. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Chinatown. <laughs> yeah, that's... But our water wars you know, are usually uh, international. International, exactly. So that's, that's the so. difference. When it becomes something international, bona fide wars break out. You yeah. know, uh, speaking to my home uh, second country in Mongolia, there was a plan to uh, dam a river close to the Russian border that actually feeds, and I know this river very, very, very well, and it feeds into Lake Baikal in Russia, which is enormous. Um, okay, yes. It yeah. may be the world's largest freshwater I think lake. it is. I believe it is. I think it deepest. is, and deepest. It definitely. is the deepest, yeah. for sure. Uh, it reminds me of an old joke, but I'm not going to repeat it here. So what happens is they want to build this dam, but Russia, I mean, of all empires, is saying, no, nah, you're going to impact this lake, and they're not worried about it because they need the water resources for drinking or for their own hydroelectricity. No, Russia's upset because of the ecological damage that this will really do to Baikal. And huh. Baikal, by, by the way, Baikal is a Mongolic word for nature. It actually means nature, literally. Oh, wow. okay. Yeah, it's uh, Tua. Uh, Tua are the predecessors of our own Native Americans here. Mm -hmm. And uh, you may have noticed recently on social I media, I shared that. I did see that. Really interesting. That, yeah. yeah, that verbiage table. It shows yeah. the links between Siberian uh, languages and then our, our North American, Native American Indian languages. But anyway, uh, so that's a, a huge issue. And so to hear this happening with Iran is no shock is, to me. Yeah. And there, there's, but um, the Afghans themselves are out there defending this. And it shows you the Afghans are not powerless people. They will, they are very self, um, they, they, they will defend themselves, which we know. And they will also, they are very inventive. Yes. And they yes, been, they are. They've had to be. So they use what they've got. And these little villages that are now being powered, this means the kids can go to, you know, study at night. That means that people can That's have everything. charged. So it is. It it's is everything. absolute everything. So they are doing that. And then the other thing that has become hugely popular in Afghanistan, especially in the South, I don't know if you know this, but this is um, actually... I'm amused by it, but it's also a, a little, it's, well, I'll tell you, um, solar energy has become huge in the south of the country. Yes. And do you know why? Because there's a lot of sun and they need energy? No, 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 no. There's a huge um, aquifer underneath in oh. Kandahar and Helmand. They're using solar pumps because they're more reliable right. than the fuel pumps. And it has their 
they have markets with just solar panels are flying out. Sure. Most of them are Chinese made. Yes. But um, they are also, unfortunately, being used to pump this aquifer and grow crops. But one of the main crops, of course, is opium. But um, I, I know nothing about that. They, <laughs> they are also growing other crops. They're growing tomatoes. They're growing things. And they have electricity so they can, again, their kids can study at night. Yeah. They, they can um, par- charge cell phones. They can be part of the internet, on it's, the internet. You too. know, it's funny throughout Kazakhstan and, and Uzbekistan, and Kazakhstan is vast. It's the Mexico of Central Asia, we always say, for a number of reasons. Every little yurt has a small solar. Uh, yes. It, it, it's yes. so cool. And then you, what people do is on top of it all day in the glaring sun, they collect solar energy. And they, the reservoir for it is always a large car battery kept inside the okay. air. And then at Makes night, sense. the stereo, the laptops, the TV, everything has little alligator clips that go on the, the two um, you know, points on the battery. And right from those terminals, they power everything all night in the house. Wow. Then during the daytime, they go back to... Uh, See, they've been doing this for how long? And long we're time. just talking about doing it with Tesla now. You get solar power <laughs> off the roof, you power the car, you power the house, all you put right it in there. the batteries, it's the system. Well, so. I think uh, after we come back, we'll talk a little more about that. <laughs> Excellent. Sam's Meat Warehouse is a butcher with old-time family values. Remember back in the day when people knew their butcher by name and visiting them was a social experience? They would talk to customers about how to cook a piece of meat to perfection. Sam's combines old-world methods with modern techniques. Call your favorite butcher, Sam's, at 845-651-MEAT or visit the store right off 17A in Florida, New York for the highest quality products at unbeatable prices. Tune in every Saturday at 11 a.m. for Free Speech with Stephen Keeter, where you can voice your opinion, express your ideas, comment, or make suggestions on the topic du jour, right here on Radio Worth Listening To. Hi, this is Dr. Pierre-Louis, a clinical psychologist. I will take your calls and I will answer all your personal and business relationship questions, helping you create a life healthy in mind, body, and spirit every Friday at 11 a.m. A mix of clouds and sunshine this afternoon. It'll be breezy as well, even a few flurries or a brief snow shower, especially towards evening and a high around 40. Flurries are a snow shower through about midnight tonight, then partly cloudy, still breezy though. Lows in the upper 20s to near 30. Tomorrow, partly sunny, still breezy, 35 to 40. Then partly sunny Wednesday, cloudy periods, but a few snow showers possible, high only near 32. Ken Elliott in the WTBQ Weather Center. WTBQ. We're back with Tales and Trails. I'm Jay Westerveld. This is our weekly show, and uh, we try to always bring the listeners really uh, culturally interesting subjects, both from global, uh, the global perspective and hyper-local things. And what I usually like to do best is sort of tie those two things together. I like to find people who are pretty local, who have a big global view, who have new ideas that, that again, are a global tie-in. And it is, as always, third appearance here, a huge privilege <laughs> to welcome my friend Heather uh, McConnell to the show. 
Yeah, and just to continue about the solar panels, what I find amazing about this effort on the part of the Kandahar and Helmand farmers to use solar panels is it was completely unplanned. This didn't come from a government. This didn't come from, this came from the grassroots. That's no surprise. If, if, yeah. if the name of your country ends in Stan, it's very likely you didn't have a plan. You did. <laughs> okay. No, but really, and that's not, a, I'm not uh, slighting those places, just yes. in general through Central Asia, things are very well, unplanned. But I'm also, but I'm, what I'm also referring to is this wasn't in the U.S.'s plan, obviously. This was not in anybody's plan. This is what the Afghans came up with well, on you know, their Not own. as far as we know, but I think if we had bison and horns on our head and face painted possibly we might say something else possibly. good heavens but no definitely not on anyone's plan on no one's and radar they came up and that's what themselves. It, and that's, that's cool what i love about it is going through and finding all these little stories all over the world where yeah. individual the average person just took and you see it even here now the interesting thing about solar power is if you have solar power you are not connected to the grid. You are not reliant no. on infrastructure. No, and the man does and not like this. No. <laughs> Just joking, but... Well, there's a certain amount of truth. There's there a is. literal literal electrical power is translating into bringing... If an individual has their own control over electrical power, that is superseding the government's control and political power. So yes, there's a, there's a connection, literally connection there. Um, I see what you did there. I know. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't resist. But an interesting thing too is that when you have your own solar power, you don't have far to go on the transmission lines. Now, when great you, point, you do have far to go with all these wonderful solar power farms wherever they are. You're still going to lose electricity in. Transit, of course, that happens. Uh, yes. Most people Omage. don't realize that it's like forty percent. Yes, sometimes the resistance, you know, is what makes all. Just like uh, when you're buying jumper cables to start your car, if you get the cheap ones that are just a single, albeit thick, cable, it doesn't carry as much as a a bundle of small cables is because it's on the from experience. <laughs> yeah, experience and training. Electricity carries on the surface area of each of those wires. So the more wires, even though they're tiny, the more that's right. carried. And so right. it is lost over, yeah. you know, in transmission. And again, talking about mistakes from top down, China has a huge amount of solar power of farms in the north of the country. Yes, they have. Unfortunately, when you transmit those to the south of the country where most of the people are, you lose a huge amount of the electricity. They would have done better putting the letting individuals put the panels up closer to their homes in the south of the country. But one, instead, one thing though, in, in the south and west of China, they do have a lot of hydroelectric and it's yes. immense. Yes. It is scary. And yeah, again, that, well, that, the Yangtze too, you, the got huge it. Th three you gorges. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you, it's amazing how much you know about that. <laughs> no, really, you, you speak to the average American about uh, hydropower in china and they they're, they're not going to give you a, a direct answer and speaking of international conflict as a result i mean the conflicts with uh, vietnam uh over that have been immense um mm. you know with quite a few rivers uh the mekong you know originates up in the himalayas you know up in the himalayas yes and the uh hydroelectric dams and stuff and along its course 
horribly affect rice farming downstream. Yes, yes. And Southeast Asia is, uh, and South Asia is all consumed. Asia, gonna, sure. They've got a lot of work. India and China are constantly at loggerheads, over, not just over territory, but also water. Uh, water. You know, Water's going to be an issue. <laughs> it, it is. And again, as I, I say on many of our shows, water even right here in Warwick, New York, uh, is more expensive than oil. Yeah, uh, it really is. When you go to the store, as my friend Mike Mallon, who was on, uh, he was maybe my first guest, our uh, second guest technically on this show, e ecologist Mike Mallon said, and speaking to ecology and to working with ecological management, uh, landscape system management, invasive species, et cetera, he said a beautiful quote, and I wish he'd write a book by this title. You can't, you can never change just one thing. Mm. So mm -hmm. when you put it's all this, connected. everything, you yeah. know, that connectivity does not know political borders. Yep. So with your website now. So with my website, what I am doing, attempting to do is to try to get closer to an accurate amount of how much is actually being counted. Because, of course, all of this solar that's off grid is not being counted towards Afghanistan's total energy needs. So somebody at the UN came up with a figure a few years ago, and I think it's around 3,000, that the total Afghan needs would be like around 3,000 megawatts, which is actually quite low. Um, Very low. But uh, they're, there's, they're actually far closer to it than you would think. Um, but then again, most Afghans don't have a, electricity directly on the grid. They're only measuring what's on the grid. So they're not measuring all of the, that solar that's out there. They're not measuring all of the micro hydro power plants. There's a few wind turbines that are out there. The more There's than a few. one up at Panchir Valley yes. that's not being... <laughs> um, I mean, in the north, there are many, and even right on the borders. You know, this is one of those ridiculous metrics where they, you know, they, they have statistics that are based on such a, a, a tiny set. Well, they're looking at how did we measure things 50 years ago. We measured whether you got electricity because everybody was connected to the grid. Right. That was the idea. People are no longer connected to the grid. And the funny thing about the Afghan situation with the solar panels is the marijuana farmers in California did the exact same thing in the 70s. They were the first ones to take up solar panels because it wasn't measured. It was off grid. And what, what is this? You you call it marijuana? What is this? <laughs> I'm not familiar yes. with these, these concepts. In the 70s, yes. Interesting. And they liked it because, of course, it wasn't trackable. They right. didn't know. So right. they were um, some of the first people to take up in California. And I just find it ironic that the Afghans are doing the same exact thing, you know, 50 odd years later. But none of this power is being counted, and it does go into the system, too. So we need to look at that. We need to also look at how other kinds of power. Now we harvest power from the sun and we store it in batteries. Yeah. How do you count? Does that count it? So anyway, I thought it would be kind of fun to list some of the fun things that people are, all the crazy things people are doing to oh boy. Um, that are not wind, not solar, not hydro, because those are the big three that most people think about. Um, and globally, hydro is the biggest yes. still and has been for centuries. But um, of course, geothermal. 
is a huge one. Geothermal always confuses me, but yes, I, I always <laughs> read that it's huge, but it is confusing. Well, do you realize that Iceland, which has volcanoes, <laughs> yes, is a hundred percent renewable now? Not only I didn't know that their houses are completely heated by geothermal. Not only that, their electricity completely comes from geothermal because it's steam. They drive a turbine and right. they generate electricity. And they, oh, I didn't know that that's actually, this is how ignorant I am to that. I didn't realize that it's steam driving a turbine. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Anytime you can drive a turbine. So, right. And, you know, actually you can put, and I've seen this too, which is really <laughs> crazy, but somebody actually did this. Um, make a little tiny turbine, put it in your gutter, your rain gutter, and you can generate electricity. That makes sense. It sure, does. Why not? And it when does. you know, when so many of not us much, have devices, that, well, we have devices that are really uh, dealing with you know micro wattage, so it it's going to be useful for a lot of things. But when you say turbine, you mean like a turbine. You don't mean like a little hat. Yes. Because <laughs> we're you know we're talking about <laughs> Afghanistan, et cetera. I think it's important to make that. <laughs> well, yes. Some people might be confused. Okay. Um, no turbine. I'm yes, talking yes. about. Yeah. And actually what I was looking this morning, it is amazing when you look back in time, um, pre-electricity, pre-industrial, how people kept warm, kept cold. Yeah. And they did things that now we've forgotten about using the heat of the earth to keep your home warm sure. by digging in using also the coolness of the earth. The moderation in ancient Iran was one of the first windmills they had. Um, wow, yeah, I did and it was not know that. Horizontal. It was not a vertical, it was a horizontal windmill. They used it to grind grain. And that makes way sense being before, horizontal, sure. Yes, way sure. before the Dutch did. And of course the Dutch did. And of course we have just, you know, down the road from TBQ, we have Baird's um, or the um, mill. Oh, the of old, course, of course. Yeah. That is fascinating. And that was powered by water. So all these ways of powering things, now we're relearning this and going and maybe make it even better. You know, to me, when you're talking about the fact that it's incredibly difficult, truly tenu you know, tenuous to try to gauge how much is out there off the grid, how many people are using solar panels. Exactly. To me, it engenders a little bit of a fear of someone, <laughs> well, someone patenting that and yeah. saying, well, I'm patenting the idea of using solar panels just to feed a battery for home use. And then through that means they can, you know, inadvertently tax them. Yeah, I well, don't think I that's that's an idea. The the one Not issue, yet. well, one issue that is probably one of the things about solar panels is obviously they are pointed up towards the sun. If you wanted to actually measure off-grid solar, possibly you could use satellites. Um, data. It would be very tricky to do this. To you'd have to have a satellite that could determine that. However, once you start doing this, you also start getting into privacy issues. And if oh, you're that's... measuring everything. So that's an interesting aspect too. Our satellites are seeing more and more of what goes on, which makes it really difficult to transfer fuel off um, illegally. Of course it does. And, um, and you know, speaking of but, satellites, and you, you brought up before um, Tesla, yeah, and Elon Musk, I mean, he's deployed 
so many satellites with SpaceX just recently, and yes. he's on he's on schedule to deploy something like thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands, small, yeah, of satellites. Yes. And um, privacy issues are sort of that's a concept now in the twenty first century. No one really seems to care too much about privacy, well, including end users. A lot of people don't care that by downloading this app and using this and making sure all the kids are using TikTok in the house. It's sort of oh, privacy. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. So that that's an issue. But just to get back to just all the different sources. So geothermal is a big one, which people aren't really aware of. Right here in Warwick, we have some wonderful examples of tapping into Earth's, you know, heating, cooling system, the library. Albert Wisner Library is takes advantage of that. Um, I always think about People have actually human beings hooked their gym bicycles up. Yes. No, <laughs> and I always walk into a gym and go, why are these hooked up? You could power your lights. <laughs> and why aren't they using those in prisons? <laughs> After the break, maybe we can talk more of that. <laughs> Sam's Mead Warehouse has been supplying restaurants and shops with the highest quality local and sustainably sourced prime and choice wholesale mead, steaks, poultry, seafood, and much more for over 20 years. Whether you're a small family butcher shop or a busy steakhouse, expect A1 service and the finest products available. Call Sam's at 845-651-MEAT or visit the store right off Route 17A in Florida, New York for the highest quality products at unbeatable prices. Hi, this is Dr. David Leach, the superintendent of the Warwick Valley Central School District and host of Your Schools. Listen every Monday at 12 noon to learn what's happening in your schools right here on WTBQ, radio worth listening to. This is Jeff Berkman, and I invite you to tune in to the Wednesday Morning Roundtable on radio worth listening to, New Jersey and Orange Free Radio. Free to express your opinions every Wednesday at 10 a.m. And we're back with Tales and Trails. This is Jay Westerveld. Uh, we're talking today with my friend Heather McConnell, who's been on uh, twice before, uh, local author and a global thinker. And Heather's books are about global issues. And the really radical thing today is Heather's talking a little bit about her upcoming website, wherein she talks about renewable energy and the sort of, Heather, you can say this better than me. It's countingthekilowatts.com. Um, oh, and great I, name. Uh, yes. And um, I haven't launched it yet, but it's going to be probably launching in the next few weeks. Just make sure and there's not an, already an 80s band by that name. <laughs> <laughs> you yes. never Counting the kilowatts. That's, that's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's my aim is to go through and try to get the numbers. The UN's wow. current numbers right now to give you an idea how far off they are is 2015. They haven't really updated their numbers. I'm and not surprised. we know things have come online. And there's a little note on the sustainable energy development um, goal in of the UN's. <laughs> it says, if you have any other sources, please contact us. Yeah, that's <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to reach out to them and say, hey, I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to get it closer. And count some of the stuff that's that's not being counted. Well, it was nice knowing you, Heather. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, you know, it, it, when they do this kind of thing, 
if you give them a good idea like that, as long as you've somehow protected the idea, like with your own website first before you yeah, reach out to them, yeah. they can utilize it toward UNESCO grants. Well, and I'm for also those part of me is just I'm curious. I want to know. Yeah. I just I've thought there's got to be more out there, and I started coming across. Not all me. These Knowledge other is danger. But another there's some other sources too, which you may not be thinking of um, too that are experimental. But you know, hydrogen. Hydrogen has got to be taken seriously. Absolutely. People are starting to do hydrogen. There's hydrogen buses in uh, Scotland right How now. How does it, Heather, can you possibly just walk me through the most basic hydrogen for dummies way that that works? I understand you sort of put water into a bus and you drive it around. That's <laughs> my lay understanding of it. Actually, you have to usually produce the, I think, the hydrogen elsewhere. And then, okay. um, but there's some other, yeah. And it's far safer. It's, you know, as safe as a yes. fuel powered. As safe um, as a hydrogen bomb. Well, <laughs> not the same. I know, I know. But unfortunately, this is what happens with semantics. Yes. You yeah. know, uh, people drop into, they go, well, hydrogen doesn't yes. sound safe to well, me. Well, they and think they don't Hindenburg. Realize. Immediately. Exactly. And exactly. that's and that is not where we are anymore. We are so far beyond that. And there's, you know, energy all around us that can be tapped. And we just are, have to figure out the key to turn. And we are moving and all these individual little people are doing a lot of research, but experimenting. This is happening without policy, global stuff. It's happening now. I like we it. We are way ahead on, I think, on renewable energy. And that's what I want to look at. And we've talked about this before, but the young guy who decided to educate himself and build a windmill in Kenya so that he could beautiful. charge his cell phone. <laughs> that's beautiful. I, I yeah. love and that story. And then he story. started, it's a wonderful. And there's a lake in Rwanda, and you may know this. Um, it's borders, um, I think it borders DRC, the one with the um, methane. And yes. they've had some terrible things with that because it has leaked out at night and it um, flows downhill. And people, unfortunately, in a village were um, incapacitated right. by that. Because it, it is, uh, you know, some gases are heavier than air, some are lighter in those right. flow. And actually, though, that is being looked at as a source of power that could power the entire country. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Really. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> That's and just amazing. Is this upstream of the uh, DRC? Uh, I think it's um, east okay. of the All DRC. Right. Yeah, of Democratic Republic of Congo, Congo in case sure. anybody's. <laughs> but the, Africa is, because so much of it is off grid, solar, every NGO is using solar. I mean, there sense. are, I wouldn't say mil probably more than millions, um, billions of solar panels. Nobody knows how much. Um, I have a little water pump that's in a little village that's powered by solar that the Dutch put Beautiful. in, you know, is Beautiful. that being counted? So all of this is not being counted, but what's cool is it's happening. And I think these developing countries are leapfrogging. They're skipping the infrastructure. They're leapfrogging beyond, so they are moving fast. You make a, a really cool point, Heather, and that is that the <clears throat> greatest leaps forward right now are coming more from the more populated, wider back of the pack and not from the world superpowers who are sort of yeah. spearheading it. Yeah. And that's a very interesting paradigm to think about, you know, <laughs> moving forward. That is yeah. really interesting. It's 
Yeah, it, it blows my mind every time I think about it, and it's it's wonderful news. I mean, it it's it's just it's great because you the can't planet. stop that. You you, you can't, can't you yeah. know. And we've we've seen empires attempt to stop that in the past, and it just it, it doesn't work when you've got that kind of human terrain structure yeah. uh, pushing it. You know, yeah. as the real uh, motivator for it, it you, it is unstoppable. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. When we see it locally, when we see it here in America. We typically associate it with, you know, sort of uh, post-hippie people living off the grid in micro houses and stuff. But I think that's becoming less and less the case. I think so. And there's a huge amount of solar in Orange County. Oh, yeah. I mean, you drive around and you just look and not just right across the street from here. <laughs> yeah. There's a wonderful solar farm. Huge but solar farm. Not just that, but people have solar panels on their homes. And that's great. Um it's it certainly will help them if there's a windstorm and the you know the trees come down of too. Of course, no, so no, that's there's going to be huge. We're seeing so so much more of that. And interestingly, and please, I I had mentioned on a show three shows ago, I'd mentioned the sort of project that made us start these two radio shows, the Pulpit Rock Inn, which is oh, yeah. going to be highly renewable. And um, the plans there with the visioning team for solar power are really wild oh really yeah a lot of beautiful the idea is to integrate the solar panels so as not to create a separate space that's strictly for so like a a solar farm but to have them integrated with um the buildings yes yeah roof shelters and stuff just another cool thing too which is it's moving fast um really amazingly quickly is the clear solar panels oh Uh, those are really amazing and that is happening and they're getting better and better closer to being able to do that but there's um one of the things they've been able to do is do they're clear but they're tinted pink and they put them on you can put them on greenhouses and so there's a lot of colors happening here so yeah but it's there um deliberately because it the plants will grow better in that spectrum and uh, so you have these sort of pink green, you could have these pink greenhouses. I like to think, and this is just my idea, that someday we will have clear solar panels, but all different colors. Yeah. And we could have that stained glass in our house, and that would be bringing us power well, at the same yeah, time. Right here in Warwick, and we've mentioned uh, this gentleman before, Bob Schluter. Okay, He yes. had started, he knows a lot about lighting and Uh that's really his forte and he had started a an experimental tomato farm thing that led to the cbd which was it was a model for that initially waiting for those laws to come through but he and his son worked diligently to assess which spectra of light uh, affect a cannabis plant at various parts of its life because specifically cannabis yeah yeah, specifically because that's one that that um is very 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 dependent uh in terms of thc production on the light spectrum toward the end of its life cycle when the the buds are flowering out and all it wants more red lighting Uh um which is why in some parts of the world even alaska you know northern lights uh certain varieties of marijuana grow better and he did so much work with that so right next door fusion cbd who is a a sponsor of the radio station here uh, they work with various spectra of light for that reason so what i find compelling about what you just mentioned with the pink panels 
is that now they can actually have solar panels that are both collecting solar energy yes. and now also filtering spectra so that you're getting the specific spectrum you want for yes. one type of plant or one part of that plant's life cycle. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And here we are back at Marijuana Farmers and solar panels. Well, you <laughs> know, the, the they've been at the joined. forefront. <laughs> yeah, certainly in Warwick. Have, you yeah. know? Well, uh, all over. California. Yeah. Oh, yeah. California forever. Um, but, yeah. but now it's more of a legal thing for so long, you know, when it was criminalized there. Um, they That was a real underground industry. Yeah. And then you think about the, you know, of course, the office buildings in New York City. I mean, what uh, if you could put solar panels, clear solar panels on them? You would, they, they would be entered, they would be power stations. And, and there should be rooftop gardens on every one. Yeah. Well, they actually made crops. that, um, a, they made that legal, I believe, in France um, recently. It that was any illegal? New, uh, no, not the illegal, but um, they made it a law that every new building in France has to either have solar panels on it or a green roof. I love it. And I think California has done the same thing. That similar. would not surprise me. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. California has done that. New York actually lends itself sort of well to New York City uh, yes. lends itself sort of well to both, believe it, it or not. It People, could. Absolutely. There's a lot of green roofs in, in New York already. You see too. it when you fly if over. You, yes. It's wonderful. If you walk, Just walking around, I, went, I took pictures one time of all the little ones I could see. And it was it's pretty cool. <laughs> we need to see more of that everywhere. What's the name of the website again? It's countingthekilowatts.com. And it's spelled and it's, out, the entire word counting. Yes, okay. and I have not yet launched it, but it'll be um, World at 100, which is also spelled out, world at, well, world at 100.org is also um, where the last blog entry launched this website is if you want to read that are these so, both your websites yes are you getting any backing or anything from any ngos no no That's i haven't amazing. i haven't looked into it yet i but honestly what, haven't what so. you're talking about heather you know you, you're discussing here the fact that individuals can go out there and create their own solar power and do their own thing to make it happen but isn't that exactly what you're doing with your websites without any outside help without any yeah, ngos without any sustainability organizations <laughs> helping you you're just doing it on your own and making it happen yeah yeah i like to think sometimes i inherited that from my mother because she was the one who would go out and my dad my mom would just go out and say okay we need to figure out exactly where all the wetlands are in the town of warwick and, and we did. are going to walk every single parcel and do that <laughs> and she did well so we're just about done for today heather as always it is a privilege to have you on will fun. you come back I will come back. <laughs> you have to think about it. <laughs> I have to think about Thank it, you. yes. <laughs> Thank you.